Father, we do praise you. Lord, we say hallelujah. God, you reign, and we are so thankful for that. God, I'm grateful that in the midst of troubles and, and even in the midst of, of, of great things, Lord, that we know that you reign, and we thank you and praise you for coming to this earth for us. Now, Lord, as we open your word, I pray that you would go before us now. I pray that your spirit would just continue to move through this place and you would show us something or that maybe each and every one of us need to hear and that none of us would leave here the same as we were when we came in because we've had an experience with you. So Father, transform us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to see everyone. If you're new with us, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, we're so grateful um, that you've decided to, to worship with us today. And, uh, and it's a good day as we're starting uh, a series called In the Waiting, and we're going to be talking uh, through uh, some things when it comes to Advent and Christmas uh, this year um, and, and what that's going to look like for us as, as we go through this month. Um, but I would be remiss to not uh, mention really quickly that um, we have a couple of guests with us. Uh, our missionaries from Kenya uh, are here with us. Theo and Crystal Wilson are right there. And... Uh, and their daughter Jaya just got married yesterday in here, and it was an awesome ceremony. And Jaya and Alan are here as well, and uh, and their kids, um, and and their other sons Sachem and Sam are, are here with us as well. So it's it's great to have them because they're part of our family. They're part of our church family, and so just when they're here, it's just family, right? And so we love you guys, and so thankful to have you here. Um, I don't know if you've traveled with uh, with kids before. I'm sure you have. Um, and if you've traveled any further than probably seven or eight minutes away, you end up getting the whole, are we there yet? How much longer? How much longer till we're there, right? You get that over and over and over again, especially if, uh, if you're going on vacation somewhere and they're like excited to be there, right? They're excited to get there and says, so like, how much longer? I gotta pee, all those things, right? But when you finally get there, they're excited because you're there and, and you've arrived and, and, and it's an awesome thing. And also makes me think about Christmas morning and, and the excitement uh, for that, but, but at the same time, the, the waiting that is involved to open the Christmas presents, right? I, I remember when, uh, when my sister and I were, were younger, man, it just felt excruciating waiting for Christmas morning to come so that we could go downstairs and, and open the gifts and it just felt like, uh, Christmas Eve just felt like a week all in itself because of the waiting to go downstairs. And I do remember a couple of years where I'd, I'd like, I'd give her a walkie-talkie and send her downstairs by the tree. And we're like, hey, Joe, is it, has Santa arrived? You know, and she's like, you know, talking back to me. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's here. I'm like, be careful, you know, come back up, you know, all that stuff. And we'll, and we'll, we'll see if we can wake you know, if, if it's time to wake up mom and dad yet or do, we, or do we need to wait? And generally by about, you know, 4.45 in the morning, we're like, we've waited long enough. I think, I think we can wake them up. Um, and uh, yeah, but then, so we wake them up and we're like, okay, it's time to go down and open presents. And dad's like, nope, you need to hang on. I got, I got to get a trash bag because that's the dad's role on Christmas morning, right? Is the trash guy. We just sit there and, that's, that's the role. 
And so we're waiting on dad to get the trash bag. And then, hold on. I got to make sure the video camera's on. So we got to get that all set up, right? Mom's got to do her makeup. I don't know why. But, so we got to wait for that. And then finally, it's time and, and we can open presents. That's at least my experience a little bit growing up. This Advent series that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, I want to help to lead us to consider what it really means to wait upon the Lord. What it really means to wait upon the Lord, to reflect on God's presence in the middle of our waiting. Because no matter how many times we ask God, how long? How long, Lord? How long is it going to be? How much, how much longer do I have to wait? We always need to remember that one day he's going to make all things new. One day he's going to make all things right. And the word advent uh, actually means arrival, um, which actually insinuates this idea of, of waiting and anticipation. We're, we're waiting for the arrival of the Lord. Christmas, Jesus coming to this earth, it was all about that. It was, it was and it is about him making all things new and answering the question of how long. And we need to remember that God's silence does not mean God's absence. God's silence does not mean God's absence. Remember, the Jewish people were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the Lord to arrive and to show up. 400 years of silence is what it's, is, is what it's referred to. Since God had, had said or done anything, at least in their perspective, God seemed silent to them, but his silence didn't mean his absence. It didn't mean he wasn't working or moving. We live in an age of convenience today. Big time. We live in an age of convenience. This ever-increasing number of tasks that can be automated, right? Chat GPT taking that to the next level. Um, but at the same time, like you think about the things that are like convenient for us, and if they're not convenient, then we're mad. I can order my groceries online, and if I go to pick them up and I'm sitting there waiting for longer than five or six minutes, I'm ticked. And I ordered a certain amount of vegetables in there, and if there's only three bananas and I wanted four, look out. <laughs> right? If, if the internet is not loading on my phone, why is Facebook not loading? I'm just ready to chuck my phone out the window. This is... Mm. You know, why is it not loading? I text somebody. I can message somebody instantly and I know that they get it. And if they don't write me back, something's wrong. If they have, it's been like 35 seconds. I know they read it. Read receipts are on. <laughs> why, why haven't you written me back? You should have written me back already. I don't need to go cut down a Christmas tree because I can order one on Amazon and it can show up within two days. And if it's not two days... I'm mad. And it's pre-lit. And I, I have to take it out of the box and everything. So just to answer the question that some of you might be thinking that we're here a couple of weeks ago, yes, we did go cut down a Christmas tree a couple of weeks ago. And here's the proof. It happened. We cut down a Christmas tree, and she was excited because she didn't have to wait. And I said, well, somebody's got to get it back to the car. <laughs> so here's the next one. 
But we do, we live in an age of convenience. And when things aren't going our way, we want, or we think that they should, uh, we struggle to wait. You can go to the next slide. <laughs> we want answers, or at least we want to know, we want to know when we're gonna have the answer. Because we feel like we could probably endure just about anything if we knew when it was gonna come to an end, right? But it's really hard in the waiting. And all of this makes us more and more impatient because the world in which we live in pushes us to be impatient. In our faith journeys, we, we need to relearn patience, I think. Our faith journeys, we need to relearn patience. We need to, to remember that we are to operate on God's timing, not ours. And that's hard. That's hard to do. And so we should praise him even while we wait. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 13. We're going to go Old Testament today, and we're going to be looking at this psalm that is not the Christmas story. And that's okay, because I think you're going to see the way that this actually does tie in to really what Jesus came to bring us. And so in Psalm 13, the book of Psalms, David is in a place of waiting. He's in a place of exhausted depression, you could say. And the Psalms, they, they really get honest. If you read through the Psalms, there's a lot of Psalms that are just praising and worshiping God, which is awesome and great. But there's also a whole lot of honesty of people just kind of pouring their heart out to God and saying, here's how I feel. And this is one of them. In fact, there are 20 times roughly throughout the Psalms where people are asking God, how long? How long do I have to wait, Lord? We know that the biblical authors here knew what it was like to wait for the deliverance of God. And so as we head into this Christmas season, this Advent season, the enemy and our own thoughts and our own feelings start to come after us. We need to remember that we can be honest with God, that we can be honest with God and that, and that we're not alone when we ask God how much longer we have to endure the trials that we may be going through. So let's start in verse one in Psalm 13. So we're gonna read this whole chapter today. It's only 175 verses. It's not. I'm kidding. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long am I to feel anxious in my soul with grief in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? This is honest. This is emotional. A lot of repetition here. How long? The beginning of each of the four lines of these two verses start with how long? He's feeling completely abandoned by God. How long? It's, it's not so much of a question in terms of like the precise time that God's gonna break his silence or, or whatever, but, but it's a plea. It's a plea to God to break the silence and to reveal his power. See, God wasn't hiding his face from David, but David felt like it. He felt like it in the moment, clearly. And feelings can sometimes create their own reality for us, can't they? David felt like God had forgotten him. He felt like God was hiding. So in a sense, it was true for David in this moment. But it was true according to his feelings, not according to the facts. So I think we need to ask ourselves, are these feelings or facts? Are these feelings or facts? See, the Bible's clear that we can't trust our feelings. 
especially when those feelings are driven by our, our selfishness. We know we can't trust those feelings. David, he was depressed, he was discouraged in, in, in three different ways, right? In his relationship with God, he was depressed and discouraged. In his relationship with, with God and himself, he was depressed and discouraged. And, and with his enemies, he felt like he was surrounded on all sides. And he's just being honest with God and pouring this out to the Lord. Have you ever felt that way? Me too. I felt that way. And sometimes the holidays just have a way of like amplifying those feelings for us. See, there's this balance in life when it comes to feelings. We don't always think about because we're being driven by our feelings. Sometimes people ignore their feelings and think that feelings should have nothing to do with their relationship with God. And I could not disagree with that more because that's an extreme viewpoint. God's given us feelings. God's given us an, an expression of his image on us, right? Does God have feelings? Of course he does. God is love. And we're made in his image. And so does that mean all feelings are bad? Well, no. See, we can feel anger. We can feel love. We can feel caring and, and sorrow. Many other feelings because God felt and feels those feelings, and feelings are a gift from God and a sign that we're made in his image, absolutely. But we have to filter those feelings with facts. And God is able to do that perfectly. And we're not always. In Isaiah 49, you don't have to flip there. This is just a couple of verses. You can stay in, in Psalms. It says this, Zion says, the Lord has abandoned me. The Lord has forgotten me. This is a really honest cry. And then this is God's response. Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The Lord's affection for his people is greater, even greater than the devotion that a woman has for her nursing child. I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Sound familiar? reference to the nail scar hands of Jesus this was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came yet God is saying I've inscribed you on my hands how could he ever forget you how could he ever forget you he's you're inscribed on his hands when we see the nail scarred hands of Jesus we see his love for us inscribed on his hands he could never forget his people and that includes everyone who is a follower of Jesus. He arrived for you. He died for you. And when we say Jesus has forgotten me, you know what we're saying? We're saying that the cross wasn't worth it. And that's just not true. That's just not true. So let's keep reading. Back to Psalm 13. I'll just read it. It says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I'm shaken. Here's what this is. So David's kind of continuing his thoughts here. This is living a life ruled by feelings. That's what, that's what he's doing here. This is, this is a life 
being ruled by feelings. And some of us, we believe whatever reality our feelings present to us. And that gets us in trouble. And the problem with that is though we have feelings because we are made in the image of God, absolutely, our feelings are affected by our fallenness. See, because we're sinful, because we're fallen, because we're not perfect, our feelings get affected by that. They're affected by our fallenness. See, it was all right for David to feel these feelings and to express these feelings, absolutely, and it was good to take them to God, and he should, and we should. But we should never accept the reality of the feelings that we have as real reality because he was having trouble seeing the reality in that moment, which is why he asked the Lord to enlighten his eyes. See, we need to ask him to do the same for us. We need to ask the Lord to enlighten our eyes, to take, to take the fog away from our eyes. The word enlighten, it actually means to give greater knowledge and understanding about a subject or a situation. So Lord, we need to have a greater understanding of this situation because of all I'm, the, the only lens I'm looking through is my feelings. I don't know if I can trust those because I'm a sinful person. So before God can enlighten our eyes, we have to agree that we can't see everything because we're not God. We need to realize our feelings aren't giving us full and accurate information. And so we cry out to the Lord that he will enlighten our eyes and bring us from a place of despair to a place of trust and, and joy and confidence. And we'll have confidence because we're, we're, we're looking at that through the lens of Jesus. You know, the more I think about my problems, the more I sit and, and dwell on my problems and the troubles, the more depressed I get. It's hard work sitting and just thinking and dwelling on your problems, isn't it? You just sit and chew on it. And trouble, I, th I think to God, the, the trouble that comes in our lives, I think he wants us to, to approach it a little more like a pill that we should just swallow. And, and give to him because they're gonna be there. But instead what we do is we take that pill and we chew on it. And we just keep chewing on it and chewing on it. And we make it worse. In this season, let's stop chewing on it. Let's stop chewing on it and, and, and let the facts inform our feelings as we live in, in light of the creator that came to this earth for you and for me. And that's where David arrives in the last two verses of this psalm. In verses five and six, he, he arrives at a completely different place. And here's what it says. It says, but I have trusted in your faithfulness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has looked after me. See, but I have trusted in your faithfulness. We see a movement here. We see David move from a place of plea to a place of praise. Everything is different at the end here than it was at the beginning. Why? Why? Because the posture of his heart changed and moved from plea to praise. Instead of being downtrodden like this, he moves to a posture of praise to the Lord and it changes his perspective on everything. We need to move from plea to praise. We need to move from plea to praise. It's okay to make your plea to God. Absolutely, we should. He wants us to. He calls us to. Absolutely, he welcomes it, but we can't just leave it there. 
We can't just stop and leave it there. When we transform and we move from plea to praise, something happens. Something happens. We, we see the facts that inform our feelings and, and the peace of God wins out instead of letting our feelings inform the facts. It flips the other way. The transformative power of God is so much more obvious to us. We see with his eyes as opposed to our eyes and we're praising him, which helps us to see things, which is to a place of gratefulness and thankfulness as it says in, in Philippians 4 that, that we should be, where, where it talks about how we should be anxious for nothing, be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and petition and be thankful and grateful to God. Did you know that you can't be anxious and grateful at the same time? Science actually tells us that. Science tells us that the part of our brain that deals with anxiety is literally the same part of our brain that deals with gratefulness. Do you think God did that on purpose? I do, because he told us that in Philippians long before science could figure that out. See, science doesn't disprove God. In fact, they, they work together so often and just show how amazing God is. You can't be anxious and grateful at the same time. You may, you may go back and forth. Absolutely. It's not, that, it's not just that easy. I get that. But at the same time, are we taking things to God because we are trusting in his faithfulness, as David said? He comes to a place of confidence and trust because he has trusted in the faithfulness of God. That, that word trusted, it speaks to a place of, of, of past tense, right? As if David is remembering what God did for him in the past, saying, you, you've done these things for me in the past, and so I know I can trust you. And, and God, I, I want you to clear away the fog in my eyes and enlighten my eyes. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean into you because of what I know you've done in the past. See, David was having trouble trusting, which meant he was having trouble seeing, just like we do. But he could always trust in God's faithfulness. See, when you can't trust in anything else, you can trust in God's faithfulness. You can trust in God's faithfulness when you can't trust in anything or anyone else. Moving from plea to praise is gonna direct us that way because we're gonna remember the faithfulness of God. We're gonna remember the things that he did in the past that's gonna set our hearts and minds in a place of praise and peace for the future. Even if everything else is not all fixed right in the moment because it probably won't be, we can still move to a place of, of praise and God can give us peace. And it says, my heart shall rejoice, right? David's in this place in the realm of feelings here, but here's the difference. He's directing his feelings instead of having his feelings directing him. He's telling his heart, you need to get busy rejoicing. Heart, you need to get busy rejoicing. These feelings need to be directed upward to the Lord. And so in what? Because you're like, I'm, I'm waiting on some things. There's some tough things I'm in the waiting on. What am I directing my praise toward? And David says that as well. He says in our salvation, in the salvation of God, because even if everything else falls apart, you know what you can trust in? The salvation of God. The salvation of Jesus. The fact that he came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he, he died on the cross and shed his blood for you and he rose again on the third day and we can trust in the promise of the salvation of Jesus because of that. 
we know that if everything else falls apart, we have that. That is a solid foundation for any believer to rest on. And so if you're saved, you can rejoice and you can tell your heart to start rejoicing. In fact, regardless of what's happening in your life, you can do that. Whatever you're waiting on, whether it's health, whether it's job, whether it's finances, whether it's family, whether it's uh, relationships, whether it's whatever, because of salvation, we can always have a reason to praise. We can always have a reason to praise because of our salvation. And he says, I will sing to the Lord. David says, I will sing to the Lord. David knew that one of the best ways to express praise is through singing. And I would tend to agree. It's why we get together and sing every single week. It's not just something that we do to fill some time. Good grief. There are some sermons that are so much better preached with a song than they are with anything that could be said from a pulpit. There was a couple preached already today. Some great, great things that we can learn and hear from the Lord in just a different way because praise and worship and singing is a language all in of itself. And David knew that. And we know that. It's a way to express joy and increase joy. There are some times where the best worship service I have is just in my car, singing out to the Lord by myself. And the Lord shows up in amazing ways when I'm going down 76. And I think some of you would agree with that once you're out of construction. But here's the secret. You're never out of construction. So he would sing to the Lord. Singing to the Lord, it's an incredible thing. I don't know if you notice this, Randy and our team are, are such, we're so blessed with the musicians that we have here, without a doubt. They, they, they're just, they're incredible. And I don't know if you notice, but the way in which the songs always tie together into the spiritual theme of the day, whether you notice that or not, notice it now, because it is something that's done intentionally. Why? to bring all of us together to this place of praise in the faithfulness of God. So that we're all coming together as a family and hearing the same thing and being directed to the throne of God in worship and praise. Just like the scriptures tell us to do. It sets our hearts and our minds in alignment with our feelings and it ushers us into his presence in a way that nothing else can. So that's why the connection point for the day is this, don't let the waiting prevent you from praising. Don't let the waiting prevent you from praising. The writers of Psalms, they were waiting. Waited long for God's response, but they chose to praise him anyway in the waiting. We should not let seasons of waiting prevent us from praising. And we're gonna praise the Lord together here in just a minute because I don't think it would make any sense to not end a service with a topic like this without us lifting our voices to the Lord one more time together. But you know what? When, when we're in these seasons of waiting and we allow them to prevent us from praising the Lord, we do that because we let our feelings snuff out the facts. We forget about trusting in the faithfulness of God that drives our confidence and our joy even in the middle of tough circumstances. And so this Christmas you might be in a season of waiting for God to show up. You may have walked in here or turned us on the live stream waiting for God to show up in your life. Can I just remind you that just because he is silent 
doesn't mean he is absent. He is not absent. He is moving. He is always moving. And he is always in control. And so while you're in the waiting, praise him. Because you can trust his timing. You can trust his faithfulness. You can trust that he will provide and he will arrive at just the right time like he did so many times throughout scripture and like he did in Bethlehem and like he has in your past, in your life and like he will again in your future. You just don't see it yet. Because he is the same God that he has always been and he will continue to be the same God forever and ever and he loves you so much that he sacrificed his son to give you life and life to the fullest will you stand with me and as the band comes up and and gets ready and and we prepare to, to close the service together by lifting our voices and our hearts to him I wonder if you'd just bow your heads and let's just praise him together in our hearts for just a minute because maybe the waiting that, that you feel has been more of him waiting for you than it has been in for you waiting for him. He's standing there with his nail-scarred hands wide open waiting for you because he loves you so much. So are you just pleading with him and leaving it there? Can I encourage you? and tell you that you should move to praising him. Father, we do praise you. We love you. We thank you that we are written on your hands, on the palms of your hands. Lord, you can't forget us. You never could, and you never will. Lord, it may feel silent for some of us, but it doesn't mean that you're absent. Lord, I know a lot of people in here going through a lot of different things and are in the waiting for you and in in some ways are saying, Lord, how long? So Father, I pray that you would answer them in your timing. And until you do, we're gonna praise you anyway. We're gonna praise you in the storm. We're gonna praise you in the sunshine because you deserve all the praise. Because you came to this earth, you arrived here for each and every one of us to give us eternal life. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know for sure that they have eternal life with you, if there's one watching online that doesn't know for sure that they're gonna be with you in heaven one day, that when the waiting for you to take us home is over, that we are going to be home with you. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that your spirit moves powerfully in their life and moves them to a place where they can make a decision to put their trust in you because Lord we can trust your faithfulness Holy Spirit continue to move through this place as we sing and we worship you in Jesus name